You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and we're going to have a great show for you. Sherry Snelling is our guest. She's a corporate gerontologist and the CEO of Caregiving Club. Sherry, welcome to the program. Well, Rick, it's great to join you. Thank you. I have uh, been looking forward to having you on the program since we first met and talked. So let's let's talk a little bit about you and then we'll talk about your business. You know, you've been in business with this business for 11 years. So talk to me and our audience about your original motivation to start this business. Sure. Well, it's really interesting because my my early part of my career, I was working for a lot of very large, well-known brand companies like Nintendo and Canon and also United Healthcare. And um, but as you said, about 11 years ago, I decided that, you know, the time was right to become my own boss. I come from a family of entrepreneurs mm. um, who have worked in Orange County now for over three decades. And um, I also, you know, felt that there were certain gaps that I saw when I was working more on the corporate side and particularly in my area of expertise, which is family caregiving. Um, it's a very fragmented, still very fragmented world. And I felt like there were certain things that I could focus on. And the big thing that I kind of bit off when I started my company was the wellness part of caregiving. How do we help caregivers find balance in their lives while they're juggling all these other responsibilities? And what's really interesting is the wellness industry now has caught up with me after mm. these, these 10 years. But I really started with that focus in mind. And part of it was also based on personal experience. I had been a backup caregiver to my mom who had cared for my grandparents. And then also I cared for my dad and my stepdad um, at end of life. So um, the start of the company was also when I decided to write my book called The Cast of Caregivers. So all of those things kind of came together at once and it was just perfect timing. So uh, I know what the entrepreneurial journey can be like. And sometimes as soon as you start the business, it just takes off. Other times it takes some time to build the momentum. So I'm wondering, how long did it take you, Sherry, before you really felt and believed that your business was going to thrive and survive? Sure. Um, well, you know, I think what's really interesting is that I, you know, had, again, I had this vision of certain things that weren't being addressed in this particular space of family caregiving. So that's, I think, where all entrepreneurs start. They want to create innovation. They have a creative idea for how to change what's going on. But what I think is really important is all entrepreneurs almost have to be kind of shark-like. And when I say that, I don't mean that we're bloodthirsty and vicious and, you know, <laughs> that we don't collaborate. <laughs> yeah, that we're killers. No, 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 no. I mean that we have to constantly be moving because sharks only survive if they're constantly moving. And so in that, that spirit, you have to constantly be learning yourself. You have to stay ahead of the trends, stay ahead of the curves. Because what I do is I'm both a consultant to other companies who are in this space of aging or family caregiving or wellness, but I'm also a content and educational um, curriculum creator. So again, to be an authority on that, I have to you know, kind of stay ahead of that. 
And so um, when I started the business, again, these were gaps that I saw. So I knew I could fill those gaps. And I was pretty lucky because I had a really strong network um, that I was able to tap into immediately. And it was a little bit slow going the first year, but then it really started to take off. And I was lucky to have some really great clients, um, obviously some clients here in Orange County. Right now I'm doing some work for Comfort Keepers, which is based over in Irvine. I've done work for Disney, um, for First Republic, for Wells Fargo and the financial services sector. So um, it's really been a, a pretty up, you know, a upward trajectory since I started the business. And I think that's partially because one of the things that we're seeing as a society is that the demographics are changing. I mean, yeah. we have more aging in America. And in fact, I wanted to share a couple statistics with your listeners. You know, in eight years, we're going to have a historic milestone. And it'll be the first time in U.S. history that we will have more people in the country over the age of 65 than children under the age of 18. Mm -hmm. And the other stat that always kind of, um, you know, really surprises people is that 10 percent of the 10 year olds today, or I'm sorry, 50 percent, 50 percent, half of the 10 year olds today are going to live to the age 104. Wow. And I think we're still in our mindset. We're still thinking, okay, after 50, it's all downhill. It's decline. It's disease. It's decay, <laughs> dementia, depression. I mean, it's all the bad D words, right? Right. And the, and the fact is we're really only halfway there at age 50. So uh -huh. I think we have to start rethinking how we think about retirement and financial services and also long-term care and, you know, housing and, you know, the workplace and all these other things. And so I think I really stepped into my business at a time when all of this was becoming problems that people needed solutions for. And I was able to add my expertise and experience to that. And this is why, ladies and gentlemen, I told you at the top of the program that we were going to have a great program show for you because Sherry knows what she's talking about. And I'm very interested in this subject. So before we talk more about other areas. Let, let's spend a minute talking about your firm. You sort of touched on what you do, but help us sure. to understand the richness of what you do in your firm and how you help people. Sure. So at Caregiving Club, you know, in the vernacular of business, I'm really a B2B to C um, type company. So what I'm doing is I'm helping other com companies to understand what's going on in society when it comes to aging. Um, and so I do both consulting and I do it for large organizations. I mentioned some of them, but I also do a lot of consulting for small startup entrepreneurs, particularly mm. in the age tech space who are really start. They want to understand the demographics. They want to understand how do we design our product properly? What's the user interface design that's going to resonate with an older person or how do we rethink our home environments? I'm doing a lot of work right now with you know, um, builders and real estate folks and people who uh, we are all focusing on well home design. How do we create that longevity of living longer in our homes, you know, as independently as possible? And there's so much happening in that space. So that's the consulting side of the business. Now, the other side of the business is, as I mentioned, content creation. And I'm lucky because we I, I'm writing an article right now where we're kind of segueing from a knowledge economy into a creator economy. And so what that means is that content is really becoming instrumental for so many organizations. And what they find is it's a heavy resource lift. 
And so mm -hmm. to have somebody who is both an expert, but also knows how to create engaging content. So whether that's an online educational webinar, whether it's a podcast, maybe it's a, a blog article um, or an analysis report or whatever it is, um, that isn't always something that you can assign to someone on your team. And that's where somebody like me comes in because I can help create that content, lift your brand, and also resonate with the audiences that you have. So those are kind of both sides of the business. And what's really interesting is um, I actually, I feel like I started thriving right around the time I was turning 50. I mentioned when I started my business, I was starting to head into that, that fifth decade, if you will, of life. And you know, I got inspired by a couple of my heroines. One was Julia Child, who started her famous PBS, the French cooking show, the French cook or whatever she was called, French chef. Um, uh, when she was 50, and Nora Ephron, who was a writer, and I'm also, you know, writing is kind mm -hmm. of the essence and DNA of what I do. She directed her first film at 50. And so I thought, okay, you know what, if they can do it, I can do it. And I went back to USC, my alma mater, and I got my master's degree in gerontology. So now I have that credibility, I have that scientific grounding to do a little bit more in research, but also just to um, really take a holistic look because gerontologists and people get confused. They think, oh, so you're a doctor who focuses on older people. Well, that would be a <laughs> geriatrician. And I'm sure that my family would be thrilled if I were a medical doctor, but I'm not. Um, but a gerontologist actually looks at a holistic picture of uh, my background is in biology, psychology, and sociology, and how those three things intersect to help us live longer and live better. So let's, can we sit on, on this subject of uh, aging in the workplace? Because sure. I was 49 when I left the corporate world to start my own business, which is the peer groups that I lead here with Renaissance Executive Forums. Part of the reason why I left is I was compelled by this value proposition of what I do. So I was pooled to be this person that I am now. The other part of me was watching the lived experiences of many of my friends who in their 50s in the corporate world were had trouble maintaining the trajectory of their career. I'm trying to say it in a nice way. Uh, <laughs> yes. And so what kind of bias or, or what are you experiencing as far as what companies, how they view their older workers? Is there a change or what is the current state of that from your opinion? Well, what's really interesting, because I do a lot of work in the employer channel, a lot of my uh, clients are HR departments of a variety of different companies. And I think that the older workforce conversation has been around for a while and having these multi-generational teams. And I think there's advantages to both the wisdom and the experience that an older worker brings to a team. Um, and then obviously the younger generations bring in more of that innovative technology, the latest tools that we're all using. So it really creates a much stronger team environment. Um, however, I will say that COVID, if there was any silver lining that came out of COVID, I think what happened is we had this focusing event on caregiving and caregiving had been something that had been slightly overlooked. I mean, it was a checkbox item for a lot of HR departments and you know, um, they have child care, but they weren't thinking as much about the elder care, the senior care piece. Well, what happened during COVID is all of a sudden we got a close up, you know, in-person view of what people's families were all about and what were the environments and the responsibilities that people had. And I think what you saw is that the C-suite and certainly the HR um, department, which was taking on much more 
of the heavy lift during COVID, they really recognize that, you know what, this caregiving that we think about is really a consistent theme throughout our workers' lives. So for instance, when you start work, you may be younger, but maybe you're starting a family. So you're a caregiver for a child or children. And then as you start to age through your career, now you're pivoting and maybe you still have kids, but now you will have an older parent or you have a grandparent. You know, 25% of millennials are caregivers today. They're caring wow. for either a parent or a grandparent. So it's not just an older worker issue. And I think that's the big aha moment that's happened. And that's great for me because this is, this is kind of, you know, I've been banging this drum for the last 11 years. And I think now there's recognition that we need to provide that support. You know, one in six workers in the workplace nationally is caring for an older parent and one in three is a caregiver across this life course. So they're either caring for a child, caring for an older loved one or for both. That's a big chunk of your workforce. And how do you keep both the productivity going, but I think also the emotional stress. You know, we saw during the surveys of COVID that burnout and fatigue mm -hmm. and just the emotional health issues, I think, are taking a much bigger, you know, um, look uh, from the HR departments. They're really starting to put certain programs in place. And that's a lot of what I do. I work with those companies to really develop the right programs to support that part of their workforce. So, you know, Sherry, this is such an illuminating conversation for me. And thank you, because the idea that you are a caregiver when you're younger with children is sort of, I mean, that's a lived experience that a lot of people have, and we know how much time and energy that takes. Right. Having worked with uh, CEOs and business owners who have, have been the primary caregiver for an, el an elder aging parent, myself included, uh, I don't know that it is appreciated in the business world, at least historically, of the same level of energy, focus, and commitment that that takes as it does many times raising young people. Yeah, so I'm, well, I'm glad you're out there advocating for that. And the statistic I gave you about we're going to have more parents than children to care for in the future. I think, you know, we have to take a look at this, right? Um, you know, Harvard did a really great study. And one of the things that they showed is that um, one third of the people in the workforce who are caregivers are leaving their jobs, taking a leave of absence to provide that care. And that's usually hitting that middle management or even all the way up to the C-suite because it's going to typically be your workers in their 40s and 50s. Those are valuable workers that you don't want to lose. So what are the supports you can put in place that would help those people stay on the job and still juggle the responsibilities they have with caregiving? So that I love the way you phrased it to a silver lining or one of the potential silver linings of COVID because it's nice to try to find the bright lights around what has been a very dark okay. two years, right? From a lot of right. perspectives is this realization of what our home life is like as it relates to our business life. And, uh, and from your experience, having been a part of this, do you think that realization and awareness will ever subside? Or is that the new understanding that the kind of companies that you're working with are having relative to the, the relationship between going to work and, and taking care of your home demands? And, yeah, I think, you know, again, the, the, as you said, there were some silver linings if we could find any of them in those dark clouds of COVID. But um, we know that work from home got a, a refreshed look from a lot of companies because they realized that um, you can still have productivity. I think there is certainly a loss of people not being in the office. There's kind of that collegial 
you know, camaraderie and, and certain kind of teamwork and little water cooler conversations that you do miss. So I think there has to be some kind of a mix. But if you have a worker who's in a family caregiving situation and you're able to give them the flexibility maybe of working remotely while they're going through and trying to figure out how do I solve this? What are, what are the kinds of services that I can put in place that will help me keep my job? Because that's really a that's almost like a respite for me. Going to work is I get can get away a little bit. You know, when when we're caregiving, we can't control disease. We can't control Alzheimer's or cancer or heart disease. And so it really creates a lot of that emotional stress. But when you go to work and you can solve a problem or you can be part of a successful team, it gives you that balance that as gerontologists, we're always looking for for you in your life. And so I think there's a lot more recognition of we just have to think a little bit more creatively. There's no one size fits all. And so how do we create this environment that is conducive to what we see going on in society? Do you find in with the companies that you work with that there's value in them being able to connect their workers who are on this journey with other workers who are on this journey? I'm wondering, not like a support group, but I'm, I, I mean, feeling like they're not alone, that other people are living the same type of challenges that they are? Yeah, well, you, you hit upon a big theme in caregiving, which is I feel all alone, despite the fact I might be married or have a partner or have adult children that maybe could be helping out or friends or siblings. You feel all alone in your journey. One of the things I think is really great is that a lot of really what I would call best practices employers have employee resource groups. And these are kind of affinity groups, if you will, of groups of employees who want to talk about certain things. And we're seeing a lot more of these family caregiver ERGs being created. I've actually done a lot of talks with those groups for different employers to help them then understand what the journey looks like what are the kinds of things, the benefits or the services that maybe your employer has in place? Because that's one of the biggest things. We don't think of our employer as being an advocate and a support for that caregiving journey. And yet there's a lot of really great resources that your employer is offering you and people just either don't know about it or they just don't feel comfortable asking about it because they feel like, okay, that's going to put the big red C on my chest. I'm a caregiver, which means I have to take time off to take my mom to the doctor. And, you know, I, I have an emergency and I've got to leave and I can't make that team meeting. So they don't want to talk about it. And we really need to lift that stigma and say, listen, we're all in this. You know, Rosalind Carter said it best. We are all going to be involved in caregiving at some point. We either have been, are, will be, or will be cared for. So you're not going to escape it. <laughs> Go Rosalind. That's right. And thank you for bringing her into the conversation. So, um, you know, demographics in some ways in business are, are, are your destiny. And as our country is aging, that means that like you, entrepreneurs and businesses are spending money around that, that cohort that is aging. Have you seen, you must be seeing that there's more services offered or more robust, uh, ecosystem around people who are in that unfortunate situation where they're the primary caregiver for an aging fill in the blank. Yeah. Well, um, so I, I do some work with um, a company that provides what we call backup care. Now, backup care is where you have an emergency. You know, mom has fallen and, you know, she's on the floor and you've called 911, but now you've got to drop everything and help out, right? And or maybe she's not feeling well or, you know, your dad 
is having some issues or whatever, whatever it happens to be. And it can also be certain things with your kids. And so what a lot of employers put in place was backup care services where you could call a service in the emergency and you could get that extra help to maybe go sit with your mom until you could get there or help her out or whatever it happens to be. And, you know, we saw with some instances in different companies, there was like an 8,000% spike in backup care services during COVID. Hmm. So these are people that are at home, but still have these emergencies that they need to take care of. And so, you know, I think that, again, I think employers are starting to recognize that this caregiving thing is a little bit more complicated than just checking a box and giving, you know, family leave. Um, it's, it's a little bit more um, intense than that. And how do they become a support for their valuable workforce? So, you know, I'm seeing a lot more of that, which I think is really great. Yeah, I think that is really great because um, a number of the CEOs that I work with tend to be the sibling who takes the primary responsibility for the caregiving. It just seems to be the busiest person gets, you know what I mean? Or they're the leaders of the family, not only the leaders of their company. And I think having that, um, that stress of, of dealing with both can be very debilitating and defocusing to the individual. And so to have, I would think as companies become more aware of the needs and offer this as a service, it makes them a more attractive employer as well for a population. Well, we all read about, right, how it's difficult for companies to recruit employees and, and retain certain employees. And so, yeah, I think this can become a really valuable recruiting tool. something I talk about with my employer clients. I think the other thing that I see is the best practice companies out there are typically ones that are run by either a CEO or someone in executive senior management who's been through caregiving because they get it. As you said, it's a lived experience. They know what that means. And they're now more, you know, much more in recognition of what is needed out there. Um, so I think that's really important. And I also think what's interesting, Rick, is that I, I'm a baby boomer, as you can't, you know, you could probably tell from all the things I've been throwing out there. And the boomers tended to be maybe a little bit more quiet about caregiving, again, concerned about, you know, their paychecks and their jobs and, and, and all of that. But the millennials are speaking up. They're like, hey, I'm a caregiver. I need help. <laughs> you know, what, what do you offer? And, and in some ways, I really give the, the millennials a little bit of credit for that. But also, you know, there's a lot of flexibility now in the workplace and you have more choices. So I think employers have to say, listen, if we want to recruit the best and the brightest and we know that one out of three is caregiving, we're going to have to have something in this package that says, hey, we're, we're going to be there to support you. So where do you see your business going in the future, Sherry? Where, where, where are the next 11 years going to take you? Yeah. Well, what's really interesting is I kind of touched upon it. You know, I... Um, uh, you know, see myself kind of doing the same thing, consulting, creating a lot of content. I actually just launched a podcast myself called mm -hmm. Caregiving Club on Air, which is really great because as you, I'm sure would would uh, testify, it really keeps you in the know. You get to talk to so many brilliant people and you kind of, you know, learn all these new things that maybe you wouldn't have learned otherwise. But, um, you know, where I really see things changing is in our environments. You know, we talk a lot about wellness and we talk a lot about health. One of the things we haven't really recognized is we focus wellness on our bodies, on the physiological, you know, the fitness, the nutrition, but it's the spaces that we're in that also really impact our health. And that is including both our home environments, 
but also our office environments. And so we're seeing a lot of trends. So whether it's biophilic design, which is my new passion, which is about kind of bringing nature into your environment, or at least being able to look out you know, through a window on a beautiful tree. There was a study done years ago that showed that hospital patients who could look out of a window and look upon some beautiful greenery recovered faster and needed less medication to be discharged quicker from the hospital than those who were staring at, you know, an ugly wall with all kinds of, you know, the cords and everything hooked up with the machinery. So I think you know, neuroscience is a big part of what I do. I, I study a lot about the psychology and the brain health part of this. And, and so going back to those wellness environments, I think that's the big trend of the future. Wow. You gave me goosebumps with that because what you just, thank you, uh, teachable moment, uh, <laughs> because that's such a logical explanation and common sense, but yet in Western culture, we disassociate those two the the and many times the psychological from the physical well-being and how important those two are interrelated i could i could talk with you for a long time more because mm -hmm. you have such a depth of knowledge i can see why you're so desired as an author for content in your industry if someone would like to learn more about you connect with you on linkedin sherry how do they do that so I, I have my LinkedIn profile. So it's Sherry Snelling. Uh, we also have our company um, profile on LinkedIn. And then you can also all reach me via either the, my website, which is caregivingclub.com um, or Sherry at caregivingclub.com. So. Well, this has been a tour de force. And thank you very much for giving us a little bit of your time and sharing just the scooch of your knowledge in this area. It's, I've totally enjoyed it, Sherry. Thank you. Well, thank you, Rick. I, I've enjoyed your show for years and I'm just you know, really thrilled to be on. So thank you for having me on. You're welcome. And I'd like to thank the audience. You've been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Sherry's episode was episode number 1357 in our catalog. If you are an Orange County entrepreneur and you would like to tell your story, then connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick R.I.C. Franzi or go to my website, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Mm -hmm.